Microphone check, one, two, what is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business, and we're back with another episode of QLC TV. My name is Rohan, and I'm the host of this lovely show where I aim to give you authentic insight into the world of music, which will be a primary focus as it's my absolute utmost passion in the world. I just love music. I'll also be talking about politics as the other key focus, as well as some culture, sports sprinkled in, as well as topics about growing into adulthood and personal development. As all of this is delivered from the perspective of a 25-year-old Indian man living in Canada, trying to make sense of not only myself, but of the world. So all in all, I thank you so much for listening and taking part in this creative journey that I'm embarking on with QLC TV. And I just hope that this platform will not only give myself, but give those listening something nice to look forward to when they wake up in the morning. Because if I achieved that, then I've succeeded. Hey everybody, it's October 17th, 2020. I'm here joined with a very special guest, Evan Samson Gill. He is a young man, the age of 25, just like me, and he's still not far removed from university. He's a fan of rap music, but most importantly, he's a founder of a great startup here in the nation's capital in Ottawa, Off Brand, a new app that will personalize the way you curate and experience content from the creators you love, as well as from the creator's point of view. It will change how you as a creator can interact with your fans and make their experience with your work that much more personalized and impactful. And I know as someone who has started this podcast, I want to make it as easy as possible to get eyes and ears on this show. And it's often tough to, you know, coordinate all the different marketing, social media posts, etc. within multiple platforms. And on top of that, a lot of these platforms are very, are very rigid in terms of how you can present content. So having one neat and tidy place to connect all my social medias into directing anyone who cares to learn more about me and the show uh, to one spot that feels more me is something very attractive to me. And I'm really, you know, looking forward to see where this app goes and takes off from here. So today in this conversation, I want to obviously discuss this app and what opportunities this can bring to the creative community, how Evan was able to get to this point in his entrepreneurial journey. You know, me on this show, I'm all about trying to, when it's talking about self-development, I want to learn from people who have actually are on that process and see what we can learn as a listener from their experience, see what kind of behaviors, uh, mindsets they're in to kind of hopefully bring something to us so that we can kind of improve our lives that way as well. Um, next, I want to kind of open the conversation a bit more broadly to talk about, you know, content creation in the age of the internet and now in the age of COVID. Uh, talking about really like what opportunities the creative community has to still make money and make a name for themselves, given a lot of these obstacles and potentially new opportunities as well. And then finally, since Evan is a big hip hop fan, uh, we wanted to talk about an album that he wants to talk about today, which is their new Reason album from Top Dog Entertainment Artist. And talk about the related album release strategy from this label TDE that is growing more and more kind of controversial and criticized as the, the days and months go by with their artists not releasing albums. 
So, yeah, I'm really excited to to talk about this. Uh, Evan, did I get any of that wrong? Any of that intro? No, that was that was perfect. Thank okay, you for having spot me. Spot on, spot on. That's great. So, before we go any further, I wanted to break the ice. I I don't have a name for this segment yet, so I'm just gonna use puns. That's all I do until I find something creative. So, some quirky QLC questions. So there legit, it it's just gonna be some icebreakers. So. If you had to choose between being deaf or blind, which would you choose and why? Oh, that is a tough one. Um, I, I'm i a very visual person, so I, I think I'd be, I would have to go with deaf. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I could lose uh, the visual stimuli. Really? I, yeah. It's, Without it's, music, though. That's not I music. Know, I know, but... I, I can even still appreciate music just off, I guess it would turn into more poetry at that point and appreciating the Oh, you'll be lyrics. giving you a braille or something if you could read braille and stuff? <laughs> Is that where you're going with this? Because you could actually, you could hear, you couldn't, you could never get like the rhythm or musical element, but you could definitely get poetry because you could at least read the words and kind yeah. of interpret it. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what I'm... It, it would Damn. suck not being able to hear anything, but uh, everything with their like movies, I, I I couldn't give that up. And nature, seeing the world, I just it's it's too much. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think <sighs> that's so tough because you're right. You could still get poetry, and you could yeah. still get, and then obviously you still have visual arts, which is really nice. I, I feel like even though I like it might even sound like hypocritical or contradictory, like everything about me, but I would actually rather be deaf as well. Yeah, because I can't just from a living my life standpoint, I don't get how people do it. Like blind feels like way more of an impairment. It just oh, seems yeah. like I feel I would feel scared. I'm obviously I'm sure you get used to it, but like I, I would just feel scared like anybody at any point could could take advantage of me or. Exactly. You also are rid of like any kind of attraction to any kind of like woman at any point. Like that's just gone, <laughs> like from like yeah. a physical st- point of view. And yeah, and you can still get braille poetry. That's, that's okay. I guess. Exactly. I, I just feel like there's some, there's closed captions. You can read mm-hmm. lips there. There's just so much more. Lips. Yeah. You so much more you could do with your eyesight and visual mm-hmm. rather than, uh, I I couldn't imagine not seeing the world anymore. I agree. I agree. Okay. Next question. If you had to be on a deserted island with only three albums, which would you choose and why? Oof. Oof. Was not expecting this. Um, <laughs> off the top of my head, I would probably go with Control System by Absol. Mm-hmm. I would. You know, you know me. I always I'm knew a, you were gonna say that. I actually yeah. like I knew you love Absol, so I was like, yeah, that's that makes sense. Yeah, I I don't think I could do without that one. Um, next two. Off the top of my head, I'm actually leaning towards uh, the Waters by Mick Jenkins. Mm. That's a classic that I always revisit. For those that don't know, I think the first time. One of the only times we really ever like hung out outside of like 
university was when we went to that Mick Jenkins concert. We got VIP. Yeah. And that was one of the best shows ever. It was VIP with like 10 people in the basement of uh, Ritual. that. Yeah. And like just eating pizza and talking <laughs> like so intimately with like a legit artist. And he was so cool and smart. And yeah. And he's I, amazing live. Like, holy shit, we were front row. Like, yeah, I had, I had done meet and greets with uh, Absol prior to that. And it's kind of what you expect when you think of a meet and greet, the lineup, and you get... Just dap them up and then dip. Dap them up, say a couple of quick words, get a picture, and then you're gone. Mm-hmm. And then we just walked into the, the basement of Ritual. And he he's like, yeah, my uh, manager got us drinks and pizza. And you have an hour. If you need any pictures or anything like that, let me know. But we're just going to chill. Yeah, man. That was amazing. So Mick yeah. Jenkins, Waters, Absol, Control System. And last one. Hmm. This is going to sound a bit weird, possibly, but I think I would go Carter 3 by Lil Wayne. Carter 3. That, that yeah. actually, uh, that that really got me into hip-hop. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't too big into it growing up. I kind of got the, the mainstream rap that you hear on the radio but nothing mm-hmm. too hardcore underground or indie anything like that and not saying the carter three was but that really helped bridge the gap into yeah. my hip-hop interests so if if i had only three albums i think that would have to be there interesting i mean i'm not going to give an official answer for mine because i'm not you're not asking me questions i'm the one <laughs> asking questions but if i had to just like just put a little, little little preliminary answer. I already know one of them. It's all, it's gonna be D'Angelo's Voodoo, definitely. Okay. Like yeah. that, I just know. That's probably like it's like the most comfortable favorite album I have because I know I could listen to it in any moment, and it's like the most versatile. Past that, I'd say. Like I always, I, if this question I'd answer in terms of like moods, like like three albums that would like suffice like any kind of like feeling i have and voodoo is a pretty good like pretty good one oh, fuck i hate this okay i you know what that's my answer you, that's my one did, i just you gave did you this one to yourself yeah i gave you one and then like listen to a future episode i'll answer that question at some point. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay so let's let's get let's get into kind of like your personal life first just to understand like give people a picture of where you were and kind of where you got, uh, how you got here. So you went to university at University of Ottawa with me. Yep. Uh, what did you study? Human kinetics. Human kinetics. So that's, yeah. that's like a, that's a science physics. Is that kind of like a physics? Uh, so there, there's two degrees that you can take. There's the bachelor's of science for human kinetics, which would be more like physiotherapy, sports medicine, mm-hmm. that, that type of deal. I was on the social science side of it. So it's more sport management and um, essentially the administrative side of sport. Okay, I see. Yeah. And uh, you at this point, even with off-brand, you're, are you, you're still working uh, some other jobs, right? Yeah. Yeah, I got two jobs right now. I uh, work at Whole Foods right now. I've been in produce for far longer than I've wanted to be, but pays pretty well. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I also work uh, 
with Capital Sport Management, who own the Senators. Yeah. I work right. at uh, one of the Sensplex. I help run uh, youth tournaments. Okay, cool. Yeah. So is that like that? Does that total end up being like a full time hours, or is that more like still like under like more like part time hours? Oh no, it it definitely equals like full time hours. Okay. Pro- probably a bit more than. I guess the uh, the forty hours okay. a week. It, it's probably upwards of fifty. Okay, interesting. So that that leads me to my next question, which is, it's like, how do you manage a job, like a work that actually ends up being more than like a typical work week, uh, full time, with off brand, which off brand is clearly, as I can tell, is your main focus. Yeah, and the thing you want to really improve on it. Yeah, uh, it's it's really about allocation of time. Um, before offering, I didn't really realize how much time I did have. I'd kind of mm-hmm. go to work, come home, and then it's just Netflix until you fall asleep or you wake up and just, you really find out how much time you waste and starting with offering, getting up earlier, I'm dedicating the time before I go to work even coming home after work, working a long shift, I find when, when you're passionate about something, you, it doesn't feel like work. I know that's mm-hmm. a cliche, but you find the time to work on it. So putting in time before and after shifts, it's difficult, but it's worth it. And you kind of got to pay those dues to get where you need to be. Interesting. And so I think you touched on something that I find pretty interesting because that's something that I feel like for a lot of people around our age, that's still pretty young that if you didn't really either like you're like, I feel like there's like three outcomes, either you studied something in, in like post-secondary that you are good with pursuing as a job. That's great. you kind of feel more certain about what you're doing you are studied something that you like, whatever, maybe you like or didn't like, but you're not sure if that's really a career uh, opportunity for you down the line, or you didn't go to university at all. And, you know, I guess there's four outcomes. Either you are completely lost or you didn't need to go to school and you have like this great thing going on for you. So I feel like we fall in the second category potentially. And I think for people like us, especially like, how did you, stumble upon or realize that this off-brand this was something that you think was one an idea that could work and secondly like why what even brought you to create something like this so um at whole foods i met my business partner uh spencer porter and we we have been working retail a long time and we wanted to do something else we want to kind of pursue a passion that we had and we both just absolutely love sports mm-hmm. and we were gonna start up a sports analytics blog so we were gonna use advanced analytics and write articles about it would and then you have done s- the analytics yourself or would you like be sourcing it from like a pro football fo- like reference or f- pro football focus sorry uh Initially, we'd definitely be kind of using like the PFF yeah. and different, uh, I think we were using, we were writing a basketball article about uh, the evolution of the shot in the NBA and how it's mm-hmm. moved 
definitely kind of further and further yeah yeah further and then also in the paint the the heat map is definitely a lot different than it was okay. in say the 80s and 90s but anyway so we would use analytics from different basketball sites as well but what we sort of realized over time is one we don't have any journalism credentials so who's really going to care and two where would we be putting this content to actually get interest so i guess we'd be writing it on medium and then yeah. maybe on instagram and twitter be posting those articles to try to get but we were realizing people who are starting up may not have opportunities to find an audience or just don't know how to so that's kind of where the ball started rolling on off ran mm -hmm. we we found a problem with our initial idea and then we found that problem to be much more interesting than interesting. anything we were actually doing that's a pretty interesting way to kind of like roundabout way you guys got into that and so what was your like what was your first step like once you kind of got past that to the point where you're like you know what this new problem actually is something we should explore and make that our thing what did you guys do did you guys do a lot of like planning strategizing did you just try to kind of say like fuck the strategy let's just go straight into like trying to build something like yeah i'm curious about that uh so and we we definitely strategized a lot we we wanted to we actually weren't aware of uh at the time like linktree or we had heard of linktree and bitly and those type of things but we felt there was nothing really on the market that was easy to use straightforward and combine kind of curation with really good visual content mm -hmm. so we we mapped out kind of what we want to do when when people talk about offering I've, I've heard people say it, it's kind of um tumblr 2.0 interesting and uh yeah so or i've heard another one linktree and pinterest had a baby and that's offering so <laughs> I, I don't know if we thought of that initially, but that's what it turned into. But we, we've been working on this for, I would say over a year. We, we had an alpha that looks nothing like what we have now. It was a lot, it, it was a, a, I guess a diamond in the rough or a very incomplete project. But mm -hmm. as you know, it's the hardest thing is starting. So it was important for us to get something out there initially to help kind of refine what we actually wanted to do. Okay. And what, so from that first step from the strategizing until where you are right now, what do you think was the most important step? And this could be like as a, as a company or, as a individual uh, in yourself, what do you think was the most important step that you took in this journey to getting from the beginning to getting this business off the ground? I, I would say there's a couple. 
Um, for for off-brand the product, I would say uh, definitely we switched in between the alpha and where it is now. We switched coding languages. So uh, my partner, who's actually the head of engineering and he does all the coding for it, mm -hmm. learned a completely new language and developed completely a different back end, front end, just changed everything about the product from our alpha. And he did an incredible job with that. Mm -hmm. So I think for the product, that would be the most important step. And for us as individuals, I would definitely say uh, kind of teaming up with Invest Ottawa and going through their pre-accelerator program. It taught us a lot about the different aspects of business that we needed to do and the different steps we needed to take to get it where it is today. Right. So, yeah, we talked when we first kind of talked uh, recently, you were mentioning you're in that program. So. So what what did you take from that uh, as like a key takeaway? Like, what's your next step as a company that you went in that? I know that was pretty successful. You guys, you learned a lot. Uh, like, what, what are you guys like? What is next on the horizon for you guys in terms of big moves? Uh, I would say within the uh, the next week or so, we're doing a full kind of social media launch great. starting nice. up with yeah starting up with ads on different platforms and really pushing the marketing now we we were kind of doing a slow burn marketing aspect just gathering waitlist signups that type of thing but now i think we're we have the product where we need we need it to be to actually push the marketing aspect of it now so that's definitely the next step. That's great. That's really good to hear. And so throughout this process, what was probably like your biggest hurdle, biggest challenge or biggest struggle uh, throughout this process? Uh, I, I would say time was definitely a huge hurdle for us. Um, uh, obviously, like I mentioned before, I worked two jobs, so getting in the time to work on it was difficult. And uh, my partner was a lead developer for another project. He uh, he actually started his own company and then sold it and was hired by the company that bought it as the lead engineer for them. So he he was juggling that as well. So being a two-man group right now we're the only two employees that, mm -hmm. that we have it it definitely a challenge to be able to produce a company with a limited amount of time do you, do you have plans to expand uh, your team in the near future we definitely do um the one issue right now obviously is we're kind of bootstrapping it so it, it's difficult to hire people when you don't have too much money. Yeah. We're kind of putting in our own money to expand the company right now. Right. If we ever, or not if ever, but when we receive funding, that's definitely one of the steps we want to take. Get on some more engineers to help it continue to improve the platform. Right, right. And I know you... You'd previously told me that you have uh, 
don't know if it's exactly funders or investors, but you have like some relationships with some some companies that are helping you out, correct? Yeah. Uh, so with uh, the Invest Ottawa program, they gave us a lot of funding opportunities. So credits towards ASW to help with our uh, server space. Right. That's um, big. That's big. Yeah, exactly. Uh, credits on G Suite, SendGrid, uh, Notion. So that that definitely helped us out a lot. Cool. Cool. Okay. And like you mentioned the time allocation being a key part of the like, kind of like your like how you personally were able to make some changes. What are some other, or you can expand on that, like other kind of new habits, routines, mindsets uh, that helped you kind of free up this creative space in your mind? I find like that's a pretty common, people probably have a lot of ideas I find around our age, but people don't even get close to even starting because they're either engaged in so much negative self-talk or they just feel like you said, like they have no time. Yeah, um, I I really think it just stems from being done with retail. I think when you're growing up, you're kind of told you can do whatever you want. You can follow your dreams and all that kind of stuff. But then you go to school, you get stuck in a job, and then mm -hmm. you kind of blink and there goes 40 years. But we really wanted to pursue a passion. So when you do that, it's really easy to make time for it. We, we were just kind of done with the monotony of work and just wanted to build something that can help others monetize their passion. And so how I, I think you're really touching on something that I don't want to lose, but I'm going to just end the kind of like I want I have some more technical questions about the apps before we get into it. But what uh, wh what is the key things that you'd say differentiates yourself? Because you mentioned the link tree comparison earlier. Yeah. Like, what do you think is the key thing or things that differentiates off brand from a link tree, let's say? So. One, one of the features we have that actually just got implemented within the last couple of weeks is um, collections. So you can create collections of content. Is this as, a, as the consumer or as the creator? As the creator. Okay. So on, on your profile, you can create collections of your content. So for example, if you're a musician, you could create a concert photos collection and then have different Instagram or Twitter, Pinterest, any, any medium that you use in that collection. And then have another collection of say, freestyles, and then a collection of albums. So then you could see where your audience resonates if they wanna hear more freestyles, if they like you hopping on different artist beats, mm -hmm. or you could even make a collection of like, uh, kind of bangers versus slow jams right, and right. See where audiences what what resonates with them uh so i think that separates us from many platforms that are out there the ability to group content together 
and get reactions off of that. And then another huge one is uh, natural language processing. So it's a feature that we have that when you upload content, it will scrape different themes and ideas from that content. And you can see when people interact with that content, what resonates with them and why they're viewing that content. And so to put that in practice, is that like when I search, I want, uh, I want introspective hip hop and like I search it on the app and then I, I land on some artist. Do they know that's why I got to it? Is that the idea or, or does it, or does it like create a tag in the system of introspective hip hop for me to then find because I searched it? Yeah. So when you, uh, when you yourself as a creator upload content, different themes will be generated from that content and essentially work as like tags. Okay. So you're going to know yeah. with that content, it's like you said, introspective hip hop, uh, lyrics and something else, yeah. you know, it's, and see, so you can start to see why people are interacting with specific content over others. That's actually really cool. And that, that goes to, the then my next question is like analytic capabilities because that's kind of is like a form of analytics uh is there anything more to analytics that uh creators could uh could use uh well i think the important thing is uh with off-brand you get analytics from shareable links so as long as you put your as long as you're linking it to off-brand you get click data from wherever wherever they're coming from okay. so you can start to see okay i put up a twitter post but i'm getting most of the viewership from instagram so maybe this post would work better on instagram mm -hmm. rather than on twitter and you can start to see the themes and topics where that where it's coming from where the interest is coming from maybe people relate to a topic more on Instagram versus Twitter or on medium. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. People have different audiences on different platforms. Uh, yeah. Okay. And so how does these, how does the product work? Like, is there like, is there pricing? Is it a free uh, app? Uh, how does that work? So we have a free and premium model. So with the, um, the free model, you essentially get uh, unlimited posting, uh, embedded links, and you get click and view analytics. And okay. then when you get the paid model is when you get uh, full analytic data. So like demographics, location, okay. um, and then also the, uh, the themes and the natural language processing. And do you, have you guys settled on a, a price pricing model yet, or are you still in the works on that? So initially we're, we're going to go to market at uh, $9 a month. Okay. And so I think that's interesting that the free, even the free service has that. So you'd be able to see that my Twitter, my Twitter link is getting X amount of clicks versus my Instagram, which is maybe getting less or more. Yeah. Okay, I find that really interesting because I use Linktree currently and 
they only give me literally a view count that is just universal and nothing else. And it's yeah. just all time also. Like I found that pretty, pretty disappointing because like they just show it's one of those apps. I hate apps like that, like where it's fine if they're already giving you some services for like part of whatever like pricing model, like part of model you're in, but it gives you literally nothing. And, but it just shows everything else just grayed out saying, pay for this, pay for this. It's like, okay, you know what? Yeah. Like you could have given me something here. Yeah. It doesn't even give you like a month. Like you had this many views in a month. I have to like, remember, Oh, I got like a hundred views in the first month. So like I'm at 300 or something. It's only 200. <laughs> like it's just, yeah, that, that alone is an incredibly big difference because I'd love to know why, which, which of these seven links I have are actually gaining any traction. Like I have no yeah. clue. Um, um, and another I'll just, thing, I'll, I'll, I'll just go, really go. quickly add um, for Linktree, uh, we have, uh, you can import your Linktree onto Offrand. It'll instantly create your Offrand profile based off the links you have on Linktree. That's, so that's a really nice, nice. It's feature. about a 10 second process. That's cool. And, and I think one thing you, like you did kind of mention, but I don't know if just to make sure it's clear to the, to the listener right now. Yeah. That you can actually embed and have like, like, for example, you have a YouTube concert video. You can actually have it playable in the app. Is that correct? Yep. So yep. that, yeah, that is, that's like, honestly a huge game changer because again, if you go to a, like my link tree, you see, like I'm describing what you could click to, but I'm describing my Spotify or Apple podcast link. I can't show any teaser. I have no, there's no quick audio you can play. There's no quick video you can play. So it's very boring. And that, that goes back to like when I said in the intro is that I currently really do feel a bit of a, I have a big gap in terms of how can I create a very quick, very instant personal experience to make it so people are actually like, I need to listen to this guy. I need to consume his content. It's a lot harder to do that when you can't just give people in an age of like super low attention spans, a very quick feel and taste for what you have to offer. And if you just have a bunch of links, like it, it's, it doesn't do much. So yeah. that's a big difference alone. And that's like the core part of your, that's like in the free or paid and all that. So exactly. And I think it's important. I know with a lot of services like Linktree and Bitly, um, I think on the paid version of Linktree, you can embed content, but a lot of people just use the, freemium version yeah and when you click on the content it redirects you to a youtube page or or whatever page and then the recommended videos underneath are just it, it's a rabbit hole and i think it's really important that with the embedded content on offering you stay on that on that creator's page right you're you're not your tension isn't averted anywhere else yeah other yeah than that's their a good content because you're on youtube you click a link you go to that one youtube video because obviously you can embed not embed but you can have a link on linktree to a youtube video but then you're off the link tree you're yeah. now in the ether of youtube where your recommended content unless you are a big artist it's not going to be your the next video is not exactly. going to be yours like you know like 99 of the time unless you are an actual established creator at that point yeah. Uh, and even then it's up to you, uh, how big, how up to the algorithm, pretty much you're at the mercy of the algorithm. And that's what, like what off would definitely remedy. 
that after I watch one of your videos, I like it. I'm not diverted to say, oh, let me see the new Joe Budden podcast. Like I can exactly. actually go ahead and watch your next little teaser that you had to your other video. So yeah. I think that's really cool. And I, I, I that's why I really wanted to have you on. I think, uh, I think you are helping with a part of the content creation process that I find the most difficult, completely non-energizing part. Like maybe there, I'm sure there's, no, I'm not sure there is tons of artists and creators that thrive on the marketing. Like they love that. And that's great. Like there's people that you can just tell, even if they're small artists or they're like a very big megastar people like people like Tyler, the creator, I think of, uh, they, they just have a natural talent and a, and a, and a passion for the packaging of their music for yeah. the way they present themselves on social media. It's just so natural. Tyler creators, Twitter is hilarious. Like he <laughs> went, I think like, I, I just remember for the vast majority of the time I've followed him, he would always tweet in all caps. It made everything yeah. he said funny. Like, and I just, I could just hear his loud baritone voice, just like yeah. yelling about nothing. And it's just funny. And he just has such a natural knack for it. But there's a lot of people like me. I don't. And I don't want to spend my energy. I, I'm trying as much as I can to learn marketing. Like I'm trying to get better at, uh, I'm going to start really getting into try to understanding video editing to try to make my content a little more compelling. But I really, at the end of the day, just want to focus on making good content on my podcast and then have all that stuff taken care of. And your uh, off-brand app could at least help me maximize the 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 return on my investment for something that I don't like doing. And I think yeah. that's pretty important. And and really it also just saves time having one centralized hub mm -hmm. where you can look at all your analytics together rather than having to use five different sites and checking analyt analytics on each one. That and, and you know, yeah, you're right. And and quickly moving to the 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 consumer side of this, because this isn't just like a content creator thing. Uh, just give a quick overview of like how their experience would be as an end user, just as a person wanting to like follow their, the content of their favorite creators. Yeah. So initially as we have the product now, it uh, is just kind of a curation site where you, you'll click on the off-brand link in the bio and you're not able to search any other, user on the platform but we are expanding and adding features in the next coming months for example like a for you page which is going to act as a a feed mm -hmm. that you can start to explore new content and then also adding following and one day down the line chat so interesting yeah and initially right now it's just kind of being able to see somebody's profile and the content on it, but it's, it's going to expand a lot more and become a lot more interactive down the line. That's great. That's great. I'm really excited for that as the, the consumer side of it too. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, all those, like it, it gets really cluttered really quick. And also like, sometimes you don't like, I, I follow people for different reasons. Instagram, I follow friends, but a lot of times maybe I would love to just kind of quickly see the musicians I follow or the 
funny, uh, funny creator people that I follow. Uh, yeah, I remember Vine being like, I remember Vine, like the perfect example is Vine. Like I actually really loved the good Viners. They were like some of the funniest things I've ever seen on the internet were through <laughs> Vine. But yeah. literally it was either, pollu- it was like polluted. I would have to use that word, polluted with every Viner making a paid advertisement like all the time to where every content was trash or it's just a bunch of ads and uh, just a complete mess of other people. I have no intention that are just really popular. So they just showed up. Uh, and unless you really like paid a lot of attention to who you're following and, and like who they follow, it's just was such a mess. So I think like just being able to see what you want at, at, at one time is that would be a really big, uh, really big. Sell. Yeah. And, and speaking more to that, um, one thing we, we found that we want to add in is that you're going to be able, you can follow when, when this feature gets developed, you'll be able to follow profiles entirely, or you can also just follow people's collections. So say, say somebody likes you and likes you as a creator, um, but only specifically likes when you talk about sports. Okay. They they could throw the politics and the music out the window. Right. They they don't really need it. They they can just follow your sports collection. That's so really on their cool. Feed, yeah, on their feed they'll only get that because nowadays I find like on Facebook for example, if you follow somebody you get a hundred percent of what they say. Oh, definitely. When yeah. sometimes you could probably do with closer to five percent of what they say. Yeah. That's really cool. I didn't, I didn't know about that part. That's, that's really cool. Cause I can, I can relate to that a hundred percent, especially creators that talk on multiple different topics yeah. um, or even they talk with the same topics, but like half of their content is trash. Like, I, I don't know who exactly, but I know some people who like really make great skits, but then all of their other content is so uninteresting that I just roll my eyes every time I see it, but I could just follow their skit collection or something like exactly. that and, and get everything I want like hundred percent of the time. That, that's fantastic, man. And I think, I think now I wanted to, to talk a little bit again about like kind of more broadly speaking here with the pandemic. And I th- it's been a rising kind of problem I feel in general especially with the music side of, of creation, like where do you see people going in the next year or two when it relates to like, how, how are people going to be making money for themselves without concerts, without even like in-person anything without with basically having to rely on internet traffic, which is why I think it really relates to your, to what you want to do with your app. That seems to be all I can think of right now. Yeah. It's uh, this, this pandemic has been, pretty interesting for e-commerce in general right i know uh in the last quarter alone i think etsy stores have gone up by 450 percent which is ridiculous and i i think it's people who are either laid off or who are home now and just have a lot more time and they're just sort of realizing they want to do they they want to monetize their passion really yeah so i think the rise of e-commerce is a good thing the the whole issue with that you brought up about uh concerts 
and kind of touring, which was mm -hmm. how rappers or uh, musicians really made their money. Yeah, they, it's not through they, album sales anymore. They don't exist practically. And and it was never, they they don't get too much from the label. Oh yeah, so a whole they other made story. their money on yeah exactly. Uh, they they made their money through touring. So I I think even even musicians are going to need to find other ways other sources of income whether it's merchandise or so, something along those lines of they they need to find different sources of income because who knows when we're gonna get the next concert yeah i'm thinking merchandise is one thing that i was seeing in general getting more and more popular with the independent artists like they use uh like sites that I like, like Bandcamp, which I think yeah. are really cool because Bandcamp already from the get-go had that merchandise capability. And then with the rise of vinyl, I actually just got a vinyl player for my girlfriend. Yeah, uh, as I, a gift. I saw like, that on your story. Oh yeah, man. Like I, <laughs> I, I'm already like anxious for how much money I'm about to spend because I knew like, okay, I need like, I need my low level of like, like my, what do you call it? My MVP, my minimum viable product in terms yeah. of like vinyl collection is like 50. I feel like I need to at least have 50 or I'm not going to be. So yeah, anyways, but with the vi rise of vinyl merchandise, I feel like those like, like we, they, I think artists are going to have to move past and almost expect that the digital con consumption of their content isn't going to be enough. So there has to be something physical. I feel like in general, outside of music, even when we're talking about, when we're talking about anything related to business or in consumption, I feel like there there's going to be, and there already is starting to be kind of a renaissance of personal human touch and real uh, tangible objects and collective uh, items. Because I think, it's like the world's kind of cyclical and all that, just like fashion, you know, everybody says fashion's yeah. like a, a cycle, goes through cycles. I feel like it was obviously all tangible, in person, all that crap for up until the rise of the internet. And then spe specifically once it got to like the 2010s and streaming and e-commerce blowing up, those are those kind of blew up very similar times with Amazon and things yeah. like that. Um I think people got really used to being like, all right, I don't need a store. You don't need a digital, like a physical store. You don't need anything like that. But I think it's going to start going back the other way where the way to differentiate yourself isn't to say, Hey, you can do all this online is to say, uh, how can technology, how can technology make the personal experience that much better? Because obviously technology isn't going to just go away now, but I feel like that is, is, kind of the thinking I see as like the future of work in general. It's like something I, I, I'm trying to get into in my, my, like, uh, my, my current work that I do, like in my day job, which is that whole idea of trying to embed technology and embed kind of futuristic kind of like capabilities integrated with the human experience, because without that, then, then I think we're just going to become like, one of two things you get like taken over by ro robots or <laughs> you are or you're just like completely uh neglecting all of these new technological advances that genuinely make things better yeah
So it's it's a really it's it kind of gives me anxiety, but also like I think it'd be best if people shift the thinking because on the other side of anxiety and fear, it's opportunity and like excitement. So you know, there's a lot of opportunity. I guess I can say that. I hope concerts come back though. And I, and I know they will. And I think when they do, it'll be like, I'm going to cry. I straight up am going to cry when I go to my first concert again. Oh, that, that, that'll be incredible. I, I never appreciated one thing more than concerts. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, I think at, uh, are you wanting to say something? I, I was just going to say, I, I'm wondering if, if they're going to experiment with the uh, socially distanced concerts. I know some people that actually went to some uh, drive-in concert. They went to see Division uh, in Toronto, I think, or somewhere close to Ottawa, and uh, it went well. I think drive-in concerts are going to become a pretty big thing. I think it would become a pretty big thing in the next year because I have to imagine there might be real normal concerts at like 50% capacity next summer, but I can't imagine anything more even with a vaccine in like the yeah. early spring. Yeah. It's, it's just interesting. The logistics of a, of a drive-in concert versus what they were used to for the past 40, 50 years. Yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting. And I hope that I hope the, I hope the creative community gets like a, gets some kind of, some kind of, uh, some kind of boost after this. I feel like it's really tough. And I feel like just like we're losing a lot of small businesses that had great, made it a lot of great food, a lot of great products. We're going to be losing, unfortunately, definitely thousands and thousands of independent artists that just can't, they can't sustain this passion of theirs because they can't go concert and tour, like you said, which is like a primary source of their income. Yeah. And I think on this note, it's a good, uh, a good transition to, kind of like an overall topic about given a lot of the stuff that's happening in the world and just outside of the pandemic. And this has always been a thing. Fast forward a couple of years, five years off brands doing well, it's established. You got a whole team with you now. What do you see your responsibility or maybe you don't see responsibility and, and let me know if you do and you don't, uh, what do you see your responsibility as a business in general in terms of kind of taking part in participating and contributing to social change? Or do you think that as a business, you should be focused on kind of your business profit making and that in turn will help society uh, over time? Uh, I, I think it's important for businesses and really anybody with a platform I, I believe they have a so, social responsibility to push for positive change and to give others a platform for positive change. I, I, I don't think it matters too much whether it's your ideologies are left, right, center, what have you. If, if you're pushing for positive change, I believe you deserve a platform and the, your voice should be heard. And I, I think it's definitely companies kind of, I don't want to say moral obligation, but I, I guess social responsibility to participate in social change. 
Yeah, I, I feel I feel similar uh, to that. I and I ask this question because, like, obviously, I like to talk about kind of social political issues. Yeah, and also like in my previous episode, uh, guest episode I had with uh, Deepak, we were talking at length about this, and you know, I think he he brought up a pretty interesting perspective that like, what do you do if for you to, in a long term sense, kind of self-actualize be at a position where maybe you are like actually contributing really good uh really good uh kind of like economic benefits to like your team to your company to the people around you to your family and that way thereby like actually supporting people which could give you some pocket change to actually support some people some charities whatever in a more significant way how do you balance that kind of thinking of like needing to focus because at some point focusing on political issues like social issues it does there is an opportunity cost it does potentially like mess with your head it does potentially shift your focus to non-profit making non-development um, opportunities and and time for your business so how do you kind of like strike a balance i guess you could say uh it it's tough because uh, I know you've probably encountered it in um, university, but kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. the self-actualization is really the last step. So you need to be able to have everything in place before you're able to take that step. Um, I think you can lay the foundation for that early in the company but before you're really before you're ready to do that and take the self-actualization step you you really do have to have kind of a sustainable impact on the economy and people around you your consumers stakeholders Mm-hmm. you need to have your feet on the ground before you can be taking those steps. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I think uh, like if I were to start a business right now, um, like, like let's just take this podcast. Like I, I want to, I want to develop this. I want this to become something that is profit making and, and all that jazz. But for now, obviously I don't have the ability to kind of shift any kind of, uh, resources I get from the podcast to kind of social causes, for instance, like in any kind of monetary or tangible way. Yeah. I think the only thing I can do is kind of use my voice. And then I think that goes back to what you said. I'm almost thinking like, cause you know, the concept of corporate social responsibility, right? Yeah. I think, and I think a lot of people in business school obviously have heard of this, but for those that weren't, it's basically just the concept of the whole idea of businesses and what they can do and, and potentially their, the ethics around uh, contributing to social change and not just being a company that focuses on the bottom line. It's obviously something that's become more and more popular in the 2000s. And I'm almost feeling like companies, and maybe they are, and I don't know about it, but companies should start to maybe even kind of create, just like you create a plan for growth, uh, a marketing plan, a strategy, a five-year plan, a two-year plan, whatever, 
of like things you need to do as you achieve some things, you'll build this, you'll hire five new people, you'll build out this capability in your department, in your, the marketing department, in the technical space, et cetera. I feel like there honestly should be a long-term corporate social responsibility plan, which kind of similarly tracks what you can do because I can't, I can't go ahead and start donating to big charities, but what I can do is start like maybe implementing some kind of like, if you are a business, that's not a podcast. You could be kind of setting out some time in your social media posts or in uh, whatever kind of uh, businesses that you partner with to a certain quota or a certain target to hit. That's kind of more socially conscious and then kind of move on as you get further in this plan it could lead into okay we'll donate certain amount of money we'll kind of work with x uh groups etc i feel like maybe that's the i feel like there is always like like you said maslow's hierarchy of needs you kind of have to lay the foundation you can't just go run before you walk yeah and i think that's a, a good way to 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 kind of picture it because i think right now there's a huge amount and again rightfully so like a huge outcry from citizens right now to expect and demand a lot of socially conscious moves from pretty much any company i think for the most part it's very justified just uh high level speaking most companies i think drop the ball heavily on this but then there's other companies that could do more but i uh, could like would want to do more but literally can't I think there's a huge difference asking some small business to make some kind of huge investments or changes versus an Amazon or a Google or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with you there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's good. To, I want to always want to, I'm very curious to talk about these kind of subjects with anybody that's in the entrepreneurship space, because I feel like more than anybody, your time and your, your brain power is so precious compared to someone who is maybe doing great stuff, but still in a huge company or a big company that's already established. Like there's so many more opportunities for that person to have the ability to kind of use their voice, whatever you call it yeah. and their resources versus you. Okay, great. So now I wanted to kind of finish off like our, our discussion. You're talking about what you love, what I love hip hop and particular I asked you before this, like what kind of album or any kind of artist you wanted to deep dive on and you wanted to talk about this new reason album. So, you know, take it away. I'll let you kind of give your thoughts on the album first. But before I say that, I'll just give a quick bio. He's a Cali rapper signed to Top Dog Entertainment. And this isn't technically his first album under under this label, a uh, big label TDE. But from what I remember, that album he already recorded it and I think he almost already released it as a mixtape that just kind of got packaged in as an album under TDE after the yeah. fact. But this is, I feel like his true debut album. And there's some big, big name features to justify that Vince Staples, Rhapsody, Absol, Schoolboy. Um, so there was definitely a, a big effort to kind of create this as a complete body of work. So, so take it away. What did you feel about the album? Um, on my first few listen through, I, I really enjoyed it. I think this is, as, as a real kind of debut album, I think he did a good job. I think he is able to, I think he's a great storyteller. I think that's his biggest strength as an artist. And on songs like uh, Fall, you can really see his ability to do that. 
I do think he got a bit overshadowed by some of the features. Mm-hmm. He he didn't necessarily get washed by any of them, but definitely like on the track uh, extinct with with Isaiah Rashad and yeah uh, JID. It, it's tough to compete with those guys. Mm-hmm. I think he got overpowered by Schoolboy, Rhapsody. Her her verse was one of the highlights of the album for me. Um, I think he's missing something. I'm I'm not sure what it is. I think he's still trying to find his identity as an right. artist. Yes. I I did see a lot of improvement between his two the mixtape that you were mentioning and this project. And I almost feel like being on TDE may have done a disservice to him just because of the lofty expectations that comes with being a part of that label. Mm -hmm. If he was, if this album was released on different label, I feel like it might've been more of a highlight, but it might just kind of get lost amongst the heavyweights on TDE. There's a lot you said there. And I think for the most part, I'm, I feel like I, 100% 100% agree except one key thing which is I didn't personally feel all that impressed by the album but I'll but the reasons why are basically what you touched on right the, and the main thing you said it was perfect is that I do think he's still trying to find his identity and I think you can tell like I think in terms of rapping ability the guy is very capable but he's not exceptional he's not jid he's not yeah anybody on his label which is brings to your second point i think the tde whole part of this equation is very key for a couple reasons and we'll get to like kind of the way they they release albums in a second but actually it is kind of related just the fact that the expectations aren't just because hey you're tde that this is like uh the premier label in hip-hop or at least it used to be i guess and if you're on this at label, you're you need to drop like some classics or some great albums, d- genre bending, genre defining, or it's seen as a disappointment because the 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 quality standard has been so high. But the second part of that is because they release albums so late. Like I can, I follow uh, most of the TDE artists on Twitter. I follow their 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 head uh, punch, yeah, their head of the label, and he's very active on Twitter, and. I can see anytime it's teased or it's rumored there's a new TDE drop, everybody goes like, is this finally the new Kendrick album? Okay, is it a schoolboy album? Is Isaiah Rashad finally dropping? Because he's great and I love him. And I feel like a lot of people love him, but you haven't heard anything from him. And then it's just, you. it's sad to say, but I see all the memes come from it. So I know it's true. People are like, when you hear TDE's dropping a new project and it's just a reason again, or it's a reason <laughs> single, it's a reason album, and the disappointment, it's like, it is a, such a letdown just because people want their other projects. Yeah. And it goes back to how fucking long they take to release albums that I do think uh, does a disservice to him. And, uh, but going uh, before we get really into the album strategy release part of this, I, I think. The album is definitely solid. I do see the storytelling as a strong suit of him. I just think he lacks like a certain pizzazz. He lacks like a certain kind of quality to him that makes him pop. And you can see it like on the solo tracks. It's like, okay, this is good. 
nothing I'm like really all that wowed by. But then when he has the features, you just see the difference. Yeah. He doesn't get washed because he's a good rapper. Like it's just the personality is missing. The the key raison d'etre is missing. Like Vince Staples doesn't wow me with his verse, but it just I just feel it more. Rhapsody actually like washes him, I think. And yeah. Absol and Schoolboy just have more personality and more like even his flow, it's solid. It's just nothing that grabs me, I, I guess you could say. Yeah, I I think possibly the worst thing you could say about it is if I'm revisiting that album, it's go likely going to be because of the features, mm-hmm. which you you never want as yeah, an Yeah, you never want that. Especially if this is supposed to be his debut, you know? Like I think if I were him, the thing I would do to maybe compensate is to get like super detailed in the personal stories. And I think he has that capability, has that potential, but even in the storytelling, it's good, but it's not to the level where it makes up for his lack of like distinct flow, lack of a distinct voice even that can really make me interested because the stories are good, but they're not like crazy detail where I'm like, I feel every moment of you. You're not like it's, a Nas it's storyteller. Not, it's you know? not uh, the art of peer pressure. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like, like that's, that's yeah. a perfect, that's a perfect, perfect example because yeah, there's no song there that like every line is a new event in this story where you're just like gripping your seat. Like, is he going to make it out? Is yeah. he going to, are the cops going to get him? He took a right, he took a left. <laughs> like, like literally like that's a yeah. perfect story. Like that's exactly like, obviously the beat was insane. The, the beat switch, all that, but even without it, at least, at least the story was captivating and that could be done without his great flow of Kendrick or the great like, distinct, cool voice of his, um, yeah, I think that's a perfect comparison. And I think if we go now to the actual album release part part of uh, the equation, what are your thoughts on the whole approach TD has to releasing albums on a less frequent basis, to say the least? I I actually think it's a smart move on their part, as as much as I hate it as the consumer, because I want... I want those artists to be releasing more music. I, I don't think Absol's released an album in three years now. I think Do It Thou Wilt was back in 2017. It was, uh, I remember this because I went to India. Uh, there was two albums, three albums that dropped right before I flew. Yeah, like right about that time. Awaken My Love, Childish Gambino, love that yeah. album. Do What Thou Wilt. I do think that's actually a great album. And... Uh, j cole's uh for your eyes only yeah did not really care for that that much so that was end of 2016 like i think december or end of november yeah Yeah. um so obviously i'd i'd love if they could release more but i i personally think it's a really good strategy it's it's a double-edged sword because you you piss off consumers but i think every consumer if for example if kendrick dropped an album right now that'd be the first thing you and i are doing after hopping off this podcast yeah. is listening to i would that. actually cut it right now i'd be like all right okay, <laughs> cool we don't even need to like i'm not even gonna use the recording i'm gonna crap i'm just gonna listen to this album. <laughs> yeah so a, a lot of us would like to admit that we get angry and stuff but in a second if zay dropped everybody's listening to him 
So I agree, but you mentioned the artists that I like, I agree with. So Kendrick, it's a no brainer. Kendrick has established himself tenfold to the point where he drops anything. He's a living legend now. So yeah, I will drop everything. And I do not have any desire to hear a Kendrick album that's rushed. His discography is so uh, pristine right now. All of his studio albums, including Section 80, if that counts as his debut, uh, I'm, like it was a, an independent release, that was, they're all incredible albums. His mixtapes are good to great. I think I'm good to wait another year or two. If he wants to just drop another amazing body of work, I'm good with it. Schoolboy, I'm not as good with it, but I'm fine with it because he's dropped uh, Habits and Contradictions, pretty good that's, to great that's my, album. That's my favorite project of his. Oh, it is. Actually. Okay. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people. Like, I feel like that one was his most, uh, his most loose album if i had to think the most schoolboy album it's that like yeah. it's his personality like most I expressed i think oxy I think is another really good album and then i think blank face is my favorite i think that's him kind of refined his sound and it's most like mature and i think production values is a1 I, so I, I think i think blank face is his best album but my favorite is okay I, I see what you mean there yeah i see what you mean there and like so I, I i agree with that if he wants to wait i'm fine uh absol like he's already waited long so i want to hear from him but he's dropped enough projects and i know and i actually think for him he's not always been cons like he's not been as consistent so i actually don't care to wait uh to, to wait much longer because these days i thought was a missed opportunity I feel like he hasn't proven to be as consistent. So take your time, buddy. Like I'm fine. Make something that you're you're good with. But then you get to artists like Isaiah Rashad, SZA, and that's when my opinion changes. So Isaiah Rashad, I think he's he's a unique artist because he's released such little work, but he's already established. So you are right that. He releases something tomorrow, the internet will go crazy. Yeah. But that's a huge risk. If that album project does not does not hit. I really think like his career is already, I feeling like I don't know where it is. His career is in serious jeopardy. Because you have lost all the equity that you had with your fans if you don't continuously drop like another amazing project. It has to be sylvia demo son's tirade level for people to be happy and i think he at the same time he was established he's not established like schoolboy or them like to where like just from an artist point of view i don't know how he's getting by to like at a certain like level quality of life that i think he would you would expect from a tde artist i think it would make more sense for an artist like him to drop more frequently until he reaches a level where he can just take his own sweet time and no one is like questioning him too much because people question Kendrick, but they don't really question him. Like you said, they're fine with the wait. No one's yeah. waiting for Kendrick. I think people are just going to let him take his time. Well, but and just really quick, yeah, I, yeah. I think that that's one of the issues at the kind of double-edged sword of waiting so long and having such so little releases mm -hmm. is when it does release, 
it needs if you're gonna if you're going on the quality over quantity model it really does need to be quality right definitely and and i think the second part of that is you do lose momentum and like it depends on the artist like yeah and kendrick will be talked about he's talked about every day on twitter yeah just because he's kendrick even schoolboy to a lesser extent is like at least so established to where and he does enough features too. That's another part. Schoolboy's still available. He's on that Reason album. He's on other projects. He keeps his name popping that way. But then there's artists like SZA. And I actually talked about this in, I think it's episode 10 of this show, where I reviewed her latest single. It looks like her art, her album's finally going to come out. I like, the, I like the song. But after her project, I think, came out in 2017, Control, yep. it was so successful. It took me a long time to get with it, but everybody was talking about all the like women fans of music, women fans of hip hop, and a lot of men too, really like gravitated that project. It was such high quality. She had so much momentum going for herself and then she just like disappeared. And I think people like Isaiah, like fans of Isaiah will love, like will clamor to her project. It'll be a big buzz, but I don't think she can, she would be in a much bigger place and better place, I, I could say, and a higher class in like the tiers of R&B if she released something, maybe it was a mixtape at least, 10 songs over the past four years, three years, that could actually continue that momentum because she's forgotten. She's not talked about as like a, a big time R&B artist. She's, she isn't. And I think she 100% had the capability to get very A-list because she has a great look people love the way she looks she's has great visuals she is the whole package and she has great music uh i think that's a missed opportunity um and then with people like reason i think he needs more opportunities to refine his sound yeah and so like i yeah. don't know what you think about that if you think like it works for an artist like reason or do you think like it actually because you said it did but do you think he doesn't need kind of more 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 tries to make a better album more and more opportunities to to show himself versus like waiting three years yeah i i definitely do think he needs more opportunity if kind of like you said take the schoolboy approach where you you hop on a lot of features right i know on um revenge of the dreamers reasons uh verse on what lambo truck was one of the highlights of that album, at least for me. Mm-hmm. I think I thought he killed that track. And I think the issue that you're kind of bringing up is the Schoolboy Qs and the Kendricks can take that time off because they're established. But when you're a smaller artist, it's important that your name's not forgotten. Yeah, and it, the attention span and attention span is one thing and the 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 speed in which the world moves now like the pandemic has amplified that but outside being before that like a project that releases at the beginning of the year unless it's something special you forgot it happened yeah like it's and that's for me even when i make like my year-end lists that i always do i i like takes me a long time i have to make a smart playlist on my itunes to like figure out like like I didn't even realize Royce to five, nine released an album this year. I thought that album he released with like the doll, like, I don't even remember the name of it, but I like it. Don't love yeah. it, but I like it. 
that's the thing since i don't love it i forgot it it was in february i was like what the yeah. fuck i thought that was released like over a year and a half ago it seems like a light year ago yeah. and i i just feel like if you are smaller you have to release you kind of have to adapt to the times you have to release projects at least every year or every two years but you have some features you have something to hold hold people over like even push a t with daytona he took his own sweet ass time because he's push a t he's a legend but he in an interview said about daytona why the album was so short it was kanye's idea and he he was so against it but then he like listened to him and i think it was a good call because i think that's a classic but push a t said at a certain point you need to adapt to the times and he knew he wanted to make an album that fit the times that was short and sweet, didn't overstay its welcome. People were fully invested in every second of that project. And I think TDE kind of needs to adapt. That's kind of how I feel. I, I agree. I think their strategy really worked for them during the 2010s. Yeah, that's how I feel too. It's gone stale. Yeah. Like I remember people being like, man, the way they cultivate their artists, they let them grow, they let them take their time. It's starting to have a different feel to it now where I just feel like, man, you gotta, you gotta move now. Yeah. And then I heard rumors of Kendrick leaving. Cause he wants I, I don't to think go. that's true. I heard it was, but okay. yeah, it was like, he was going to sign with, or he was going to make his something with baby Keem. Do you know that artist baby yeah. Keem? Like they're cousins and it was okay. going to be under a, a new label label imprint that I think Kendrick ran, but that's a complete lie. He made like a Instagram okay. video, like being very clear about it, very nonchalant about it too. So I don't think it was any truth to it, but okay. But even just for the little bit that it was rumored. Yeah. That really shook things. And yeah, I did. I was people like, wow. already started discussing, is this the downfall of TDE? Yeah. People have been saying that for a couple of years now because Griselda, like Griselda is the opposite approach right they release projects like 24 7 and i think it's i don't like i think it works for them but i don't suggest that on a reason or anything i think griselda they're just so good at making albums like good lord i mean i think some projects sometimes are a little more filler but for the most part their quality standards are very good it's just because some people create fast some people don't yeah and they they like those guys are driven man those guys are no no questions about it all business all the time they're efficient as hell. So that it's good for them. But I think, I think that wraps up kind of like our TDE conversation. And I think, I think overall, I really enjoyed speaking with you here. Like, I think, I hope people, when they listen to this, they, they kind of hear a different side. Cause when I spoke with Deepak in our last episode, he had a different story than yours. And I think people need to understand that one you don't need to be you don't you don't need to be like born with something like you don't need to be no since day one or no very quickly or even pick the first idea that is the one to say okay i picked an idea it may change like you you literally thought you were going to do something and then it completely changed and it felt natural and i think the the lesson in there is you need to start you need to start and you need to be open to listen to your gut, to listen to your intuition and to not be an ego. Don't have an ego about it to yeah. say like, you know what? I, I don't get fixated on what you thought you were going to do. If it feels the right, the right way to change course, change course. 
hundred percent. Yeah. You in business, you always need to be able to pivot because mm -hmm. things are constantly changing. Your ideas are changing. It's you're not, you're not just going to think of a business idea and then it's going to go a hundred percent of the way. Something is going to get in the way. Great. Yeah. And so before we wrap up, just some quick random questions just to end it here. So what's your most anticipated album that you expect to release this year? So that can include a Kendrick because I, it's rumored could happen this year. I, I think I would go with Kendrick just because of how big of a release that would be. And I think it's time. I oh, think it's they, time. <laughs> we, we need one. I, after, after damn, I'm, really interested to see where he goes with his sound so that's that's definitely one for me obviously absol i would love but i'm not sure how how far close he is to that mm -hmm. what's your favorite release. album that came out this year see it's kind of the issue of uh of you i i have trouble remembering what happened at the start of the year yeah but uh Probably the Blue in Exile album. That's a good one. That was, that was, I think they just brought so much kind of old school rap mm -hmm. to the forefront and the storytelling was just incredible. Another underrated one that I wanted to bring up that I, I really liked was uh, the Vic Mensa project. Yeah. I talked about that briefly too. I, I'm surprised. Yeah. He, I loved him on uh, the autobiography i loved that album and then he just really <laughs> fell off he just nosedived and nose i thought he was died. done oh my i God. thought he was done and then i wasn't even going to listen to this project until i saw punch and lupe talking about it on twitter and i was like okay, yeah lupe was the one too like i, I was yeah. seeing some buzzing that was actually good but then lupe tweeted about it i'm like he doesn't he doesn't usually do that yeah, and they're both from Chicago. I think he wanted to big him up. Uh, yeah, Vic's a good guy. Just completely nosedived. I didn't even like the autobiography like that. I thought some of the production was very like cheap and cheesy, but I still liked some prod. Like I, I definitely saw like okay, he's an artist. I'm still gonna listen to. Yeah, and then fell off. But I liked that. I'm actually super excited. That's probably honestly the best rapping I've ever heard from him. I I agree with like, that. Like yeah, really impressed by that one. Okay, and then final record for the Minnesota Vikings. Currently one in four. Oh man. I know you're a big I fan of them. Thought thought we were gonna escape that. Um <laughs> honestly, I I think we're gonna finish around eight and eight. Okay, you're expecting a good bounce back at least. But that's that's the worst spot to be in. In the NFL. Yeah, you don't get a be good draft being, pick. Yeah. Being mediocre is the worst place you can be. You might make the playoffs potentially because you know there's an extra seed now, seven, yeah. seven teams. So eight and eight, it depends how the, the league shakes out, but it could be. Eight and eight yeah. could make you in the playoffs if you get the, wins. The only tiebreakers. issue is the Packers at 4-0 and and the Bears at 4-1. and that's, that's an uphill battle. The, the thing is, though, I don't think the Bears – are as good as four and one and i don't think the vikings are as bad as one and four vikings are 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 still a good team but they just lost some really bad games that i don't think they'll be able to recover from i i personally um, 
now that we're one and four, I almost wish we were able to tank, tank for Trevor. Yeah, it, Kirk's last year, right? On that contract, I think, I think he just re- resigned for one more year this off season. Oh damn, because that could yeah. be. He might be a trade piece though. Yeah. I still Honestly. think he's pretty good, but he could be a trade piece to a desperate team. He he's good if placed in the right situation. You, he's not a mobile quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's he's a statue that's gonna just when he has time to sling it. He's a very accurate thrower. Yeah, but we have one of the worst offensive lines in the league, so we yeah. do him no favors. Absolutely not, man. <laughs> and the defense is a disappointment. My God. Like, oh yeah, we've the hell happened. I, we let go most of the corners. I think our oldest corner is like 25 or something, like a 30-year player. And then our uh marquee free agent signing, uh Pierce, the defensive tackle who played with the Ravens, he opted out because he has asthma. Oh, so yeah. with the whole COVID situation. So we have basically nobody anchoring our defensive line and then mm-hmm. Daniel Hunter hasn't played yet this season who I think oh I didn't under- know that yeah I think he's the most underrated player in the yeah league, he's amazing in my opinion so our yeah our defense Anthony Barr is out for the season so leaves a lot of a lot to be wanted there all right man uh you made it this far you underwent all these excruciating, difficult questions. I'm kidding. Um, but, you know, before we go, just tell people where they can follow you, where they can learn more about off-brand and any kind of upcoming things you have going on with that that you want to share. Uh, so you can follow me Instagram and Twitter. Uh, just my name. So at Evan Sansom Gill. Um, visit off-brand. So www.offbrand.co. It's not .com. It's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and just within the next week or so, be on the lookout for the uh, the full launch of Offbrand and get on, make an account, start, start seeing what it can do for you. Great, man. Really appreciate the time. Uh, this is a really great conversation and I'm really looking forward to see what's in store for Offbrand in the future. Thank you. Really appreciate you having on, having me on there and, uh, I, I really like what you're doing here. I, I enjoy listening to your podcast every time you release one. I love, I always loved your takes back when you used to do the, uh, the row view blogs. Yeah, yeah. So I love what you're doing here. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you everybody for listening. I really appreciate the support. I love doing this and I can't wait to continue doing more of these episodes of QLC TV moving forward. If you want to follow me, support the podcast, Please subscribe on all the podcast channels that you use, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so on. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at Rowview, so that's R-O-H-V-I-E-W, and shoot me a comment, send me a DM, and feel free to suggest whatever topic you think I should cover, whether it be some political discussion, music, etc., or if you just wanted to Send me some feedback about something that you think I should improve on or consider changing as it relates to the show. I'm definitely all ears. I wanted to start this podcast to to help myself grow, help myself uh, 
express myself more efficiently, more concisely, more effectively. So I'm always open to anything that I should improve on, whether it be about how I deliver the show or just to criticize some horrible take that I had. I'm all ears. And I'd also like to extend an open invitation to any artist that makes music. If you want, please DM me, hit me up on Instagram, send me your music. I'd love to give you free feedback and thoughts on my opinions of your work and any other things you could maybe change to make it even better. If you're listening to this show, you know how passionate I am about music, how much I love analyzing music and how passionate I am. I would love to be a part of your creative process to further improve your craft. And also I'd like to extend an invitation for anybody who wants to join me for a discussion on something they want to debate, whether it be a political opinion or a musical opinion. I would love to you know, have you on the show and have an open discussion with you. I think that would be a lot of fun because, you know, I, I really want to connect with you guys and really foster community here at QLC TV. So thank you once again for listening. Peace.